Paul writes that we should thank God always. I want to use chapter 1 beginning in verse number 4 and work our way down through verse number 9 tonight around that premise where he says in verse 4, I thank my God always. It's easy to forget to be thankful. It's easy to let life circumstances, the duties that you have going on, the passing of time to cause you to be everything but thankful, to be a complainer, to be critical, to even in in just a a harmless sense. We've been, been repairing this building, been looking around and, you know, when you get in repair mode around every corner, what do you find? Something else that needs to be fixed. And you just keep seeing it, keep seeing it, keep seeing it. I was on a Zoom video call over my office a couple of weeks ago, and I was probably in a tizzy, I'm sure, because that's the way I get when I get around here, like the doors are crooked or there's paint missing here or whatever. And the, the person, I got y'all looking around now, what's, what needs to be fixed? It's perfect. The person on the other side of that Zoom call, because in my office you can see those two stained glass windows, said, oh my goodness, what pretty windows you have in your office. You're so fortunate to get to look at those all day, every day. And I thought, yeah, you're right, I am. I forget about those sometimes because I'm thinking about all the other stuff that's in here. We do that in life, don't we? Oh, I don't know, all this family coming in. Got to cook a turkey. Got to sit up half the night while it falls. Got to do this, got to do that. Whatever happened to just being thankful that you get to be with these people, that you get to see a family member, that you get to have a feast. A lot of places in the world wish they could have anything to eat, much less a feast. So I think it's good as we... You know, Sunday's kind of the, like the Thanksgiving Sunday for the churches. And then next week, you'll probably have some things go on holiday-wise. And then it's full speed from there because you're right into Christmas. Why don't we kind of kick off the season tonight with a thought of thank God always. Because we don't always thank God. We often allow life to leave us feeling anything but thankful. Paul, we, we've gotten up to chapter 11 here and Paul, to his letter in, the, in, the, in his letter to the Corinthians, he writes a very stern letter. It's a very lengthy letter. He's dealing with some big troubles, some bad things that are going on here. But before he ever gets into any of that, he just talks about how thankful he is for these people. Verse 4, I thank my God always on your behalf. And then he starts talking about how God has blessed him and God has blessed them and how they have so much to be Thankful for. We are to thank God always, no matter what it is that we are facing. Dr. Alexander White of Edinburgh was famous for his pulpit prayers. He always found something to thank God for, even in the worst of times. But one stormy morning, it was just one of those days, it was really hard to get to church. It was miserable outside. It was miserable once you got inside. And one of his members thought to himself, the preacher will not be able to thank God for anything on a morning as bad as this one. And Dr. White began his prayer saying, we thank thee, O God, that it is not always like this. Isn't that wonderful? I want to be like that. I want to be that guy. I'm not. As we go through this Thanksgiving season, make it a point to be thankful no matter what. Paul is going to give us six major headings here in verses 5 through 9 under which we can be thankful. Grace, enrichment, testimony, gifts, Christ's return, and faithfulness. Let's read from verse number four. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, 
that in everything you are enriched in him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind and no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and this time that we have in it tonight. Lord, I pray that we would see the cause and the reason and just be stimulated tonight to to have an attitude of gratitude, to have thankful hearts. Lord, help us to be offering you praise for the good in life at all times. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The first heading we find tonight in verse 4 is grace. Well, if you've got nothing else to be thankful for, you can thank God for His grace, can't you? He says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. You know, as humans, we try to earn all that we have. We, we want to bootstrap our way through life. And that plays over into our spiritual lives as if we can earn God's favor in that regard. We feel like if we just keep God's rules, He will like us and He will be good to us. But the Bible says it doesn't work like this. In fact, the Bible goes so far to even say that at our best, we can never be up to God's standards. Romans 3.10 is a good example of that. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. No matter what, you and I will never obtain righteousness. But God, in grace, imputed his righteousness into us. Oh, that's, that's calls for thanksgiving. That's calls for hooping and hollering. Any hoopers and hollerers in here tonight? God has imputed Christ's righteousness on our account. He's just been so gracious to us. We don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. We're not getting what we did earn, which was death. We're not getting what we do deserve, which is eternal damnation. We're getting God's grace, Christ's righteousness, eternal riches, heaven, peace, comfort. It's cause to be thankful. I could be thankful for this. Now, Paul goes from there to verse five, and he talks about enrichment. Now, when I was in school, when they talked about enrichment, you know what that meant? More homework. Am I wrong, teachers? <laughs> they say we're going to, Chance needs some enrichment in his education, which he did. Well, that just meant I had to do more. But that's not exactly where Paul goes here. He says that in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge. Having been given freedom from sin and being justified by God's grace. Well, that's enough. But Paul says there's more. There's, there's something added to this. There's enrichment. It's icing and cake, right? We, the cake is God's grace and the icing is everything else that goes on top. That's what I like to think about when I read verse 5 here. That in everything we've been enriched by Him. God freely showed us grace and He promised us a home in heaven. God freely showed us grace and He promised us a home in heaven. And He allows us to hold His completed word in our hands. God freely showed us grace and he gave us a home in heaven. And he gave us his word that we hold in our hands. And he let us be born in a place where we're free to enjoy all this as much as we want to. Yes, amen. That's cause to smile. That's cause to be excited. That's cause to be glad. 
Enrichment. Something to be thankful for. It's generally great. But sometimes enrichment can be difficult, can seem bad at the time, like this extra schoolwork I used to have to do. Do you like pinto beans and cornbread? Mm. I knew I'd get some amens on that one. Talk about grace and the goodness of God and justified, no amens. Pinto beans and cornbread in the South. Woohoo! Ben Randolph was here. <laughs> What's that? That's where I'm going, Tom. You read my mind. You, raw, too. You don't cook it. You slice that baby raw and you lay it right on top of that pinto beans and cornbread. Can you already taste it? Mm. If you don't know, you're missing out. Now, let's think about it. If you're the one who has to slice that onion, it's going to break your heart. You're going to cry. <laughs> if you're the one who has to kiss the guy who ate that onion, it's going to break your heart. <laughs> and you're going to cry because of that onion bread. An onion can be a wonderful thing. It can be very enriching to a bowl of pinto beans and some cornbread. But in other ways... It can seem bad for the time. It can seem gross for the moment. It can seem like something you don't want. Well, this is enrichment. But Paul is clear here. He thanks God always for grace and that in everything you are enriched by Him in all utterance and all knowledge. Trials enrich us. Testings enrich us. Hard times enrich us. Lean times enrich us. The valleys Valleys can be dark and dim. What did the psalmist say? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But valleys can also be very fruitful. Mountaintops are rocky and dry. So during this time of feasting and family and shopping, got any all-night shoppers in here? You like to do that? We did it a couple of times. We don't do it always. See, I would have put it on you people who already got your Christmas trees up. That's who I thought the all-night shoppers were, if I had to guess. But I guess I was wrong. But during this time, whatever it is that your family does, be sure you take time to thank God. You may have to be the one to lead this at your feast or your gathering, but somebody needs to stop and say, Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. A farmer was visiting the large city, and he went into a restaurant to get a bite to eat, and before he... Eight, he bowed his head and he prayed over his meal. Well, there was a young man nearby at a table and he said, hey, old man, back where you come from, does everybody pray before he eats? The farmer just ignored him, but under his breath, he said, the hogs don't. <laughs> so I would encourage you, don't be a hog. Say your prayers. Have a thankful heart. The third thing we see here is testimony. Verse six, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. Now, when we talk about testimony here, we usually talk about like my testimony or your testimony. Stand up and give your testimony, right? And that's an okay thing. Paul's wording it a little different here though, doesn't he? He says the testimony of Christ confirmed in you. Now, I like that. Because not only do you and I have a testimony, but as Christians, the testimony of Christ has been worked in us. You see, if it's just my testimony, I can mess my testimony up. But the testimony of Christ is not left up to me. Who's it left up to? Christ, and it's been worked in me. Now that's a good testimony. 
The testimony of chance can come and go. The testimony of luck, it can be good or bad. But the testimony of Christ in any of us is a wonderful thing. It's cause to be thankful. Are you thankful for the testimony of Christ in you? This will cause you to be thankful. Think back to where you were before your conversion. Who were you before you were saved? What were you like before the Holy Spirit moved in? Man, aren't you glad that you're not the old man you used to be? Aren't you glad you're somebody else? Aren't you glad you've been made new in Christ? Praise the Lord. I'm not much like Christ. The Lord works on me every day. But I'm more like Christ today than I was yesterday. Praise the Lord. It's cause to be thankful. Thank God because of your testimony. Verse 7, thank God always for gifts. He says, so that you come behind in no gift. We're all gifted by God in some way to prepare us to serve in the area that He has willed. Some of us were useless by this world's standards and gifted for nothing. But to God, we are created with a purpose and we're gifted like no one else to do just what it is that he needs us to do. It's a wonderful thought. So you can thank God always for your gifts because everybody can do something. Then verse seven goes on to talk about the return of Christ, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse eight, who shall also confirm you unto the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, I am so thankful that every day I can wake up and look around and say, this could be the crowning day. I'm thankful for the hope of the return of Christ. I'm glad that my hope is not just in this world, but I'm looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thought that is. No matter how bad a day may get on earth, Christians live with the constant hope that Jesus might just show up at any moment to be with us. Praise the Lord. And then faithfulness in verse number nine. God is faithful. Can you say amen to that? He surely is. By whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I love to sing, great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Think about that. It's not that, there, that God might change or turn or be different. The, the hymn writer nailed it when he said, no, there's not even a shadow of this. There's not even the chance of it. There's not even the, it doesn't even seem to be. No shadow of turning with thee. At mankind's worst moments, God is still faithful. What would we assume mankind's worst moment was? Was it when we introduced sin into the world through our father Adam? Here God had made sinless perfection and the serpent tempted and mankind gave into that temptation. But, but think about it. If that was mankind's worst moment, God was right there. And what did he say? Where are you, Adam? He didn't say, get out of here, Adam. He didn't say, I don't want to be around you, Adam. He said, where are you, Adam? God is faithful. He didn't abandon. Or maybe our worst moment was when we took our sinless Savior and we nailed his hands and we nailed his feet to a cross and we tortured him to death. We humiliated him, spit upon him. Cursed him, put him through the worst pain known, and we killed him. Maybe that was our worst moment. But even then, 
Why did he do this? He did it for us. God himself allowed this to happen so that you and I could be forgiven for our sins. He is faithful. There's not a moment that we can't thank God considering his faithfulness. If we try, and that that was just four or five verses in the Bible. I think if we try, we could always find something to be thankful for. Matthew Henry, the famous scholar. How many of you read Matthew Henry's commentary or have one? It's great. It's It's so common and accepted that often it gets overlooked, but Matthew Henry's a great scholar, biblical scholar. He was once accosted by thieves and robbed. They took his money. And he wrote these words in his diary after that event. He said, let me be thankful first because I've never been robbed before. Isn't that something? Let me be thankful second because although they took my purse, they didn't take my life. Third, because although they took my all, all I had was not very much. Lord, are you boohooing in here tonight for being poor? You said, well, I don't hardly have nothing. Well, praise the Lord. If you get robbed, <laughs> won't be much I could take. He's got a great way to think of this. He said, fourth, because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. Mm. You could be the robber on the street tonight. D.L. Moody was once reading Psalm 103 and he came to the verse, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And he stopped and said in a very D.L. Moody unique way, you can't remember them all, of course, but don't forget them all. Remember some of them. <laughs> forget not all the Lord's benefits. We're not always going to remember everything that we're to be thankful for, but we can thank God always. Have a, a mentality. I'm going to thank God for something tonight. I'm going to thank God for something in the morning. I'm going to be looking for reasons to praise His name. Because the Lord is good and His mercy endureth to all generations. How long? Forever. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful for this time together with the church, looking into Your Word and just considering Your goodness. Lord, these are just a few things from a few verses. There's so much more. You... You've given us air to breathe and blood to flow through our veins to keep, keep us alive. So much, Father, to be thankful for. So Lord, I pray tonight that we would praise You. That we would thank You. And that we would not only be looking for cause to thank You, but we would be the cheerleaders that the world around us needs right now. There's so much turmoil. There's so much unrest. There's so much... Bitterness and nastiness. Lord, the world needs some folks to just say, praise the Lord. Or like Brother Roloff used to say, praise God anyhow. No matter how things turn out, no matter how things go or how they don't go, we can praise God anyhow. So Father, help us to be that in the world around us. We've got calls to thank you always. So I pray that we would. In Jesus' name, amen.